We look forward to seeing you at Two Days of Truth being presented by Beyond Labels. It's our fourth annual Two Days of Truth Summit. This year's theme is Detox is for Everybody. We're bombarded by everything from chemtrails to EMFs to pesticides, herbicides, even uh, toxic people. We're going to deal with all of these aspects at the Two Days of Truth Summit coming up. Sina, give us the final information. I'm really excited about this summit. I think this is going to be our best one yet. It's June 14th and 15th at Polyface Farm. We have some fantastic speakers like Sayer G, the founder of Green Med Info, uh, Dr. Leland Stillman, who's been featured by Wise Traditions lately, Hilda Labrada-Gore, affectionately known as Holistic Hilda, you and me, of course, we also have, for the first time ever, a kids and teens program. So now the adults can enjoy the adult side while they know that their kids and their teens are having fun while also being educated by Joel, myself, and Hilda. It's going to be a blast. And this year, what we're going to do is we're going to actually teach you ancient and modern techniques for how to detoxify the body, mind, and spirit. And we're going to help you put together a personalized plan like an action plan that you can take home and start. As soon as you arrive home, you can implement this action plan and start your detoxing. You know, listen, folks, Polyface is only eight hours from half of the U.S. population. Take a long weekend, come join us, and uh, you'll rub shoulders with other like-minded people, find our tribe, and be encouraged. It's a lonely place out there lots of times, especially if you're a bit of a maverick. So come and spend time with other mavericks and get encouraged, inspired, and enthused about living a more healthy life. So I love the topic for this year, detoxification. It is one of the most important topics that we could ever address at our health summit. Because as Joel mentioned, everyone, every single person needs to know how to detoxify their body, mind, and spirit in order to achieve optimal health and wellness. Safe is a, is a pretty subjective word, actually. Uh, you know, I, I, I might even think that a, a public school is not a safe place for your child. Uh, I'm, I'm saying category. I'm just saying that that, that shows how, how subjective safe is. And, you know, um, if you don't feel safe working at a place, then don't go work there. Yeah. There, there, there are plenty of places hiring that are providing alternative, uh, works, workplaces. Hi everybody. I'm Dr. Cena McCullough. Thank you for joining me on beyond labels. Today, Jill and I have a special treat. We have put together a three-part series called The COVID Lies. This series was recorded for all people, not just unvaccinated people. For Joel and I, this series is about exercising informed consent and finding solutions. Maybe you're trying to decide if you should get the vaccine because your job's mandating it. Or maybe you already got the vaccine, but you wanna know how to detox from it, or maybe you had a reaction and you wanna know why. Maybe you're wondering if you should allow your child to get vaccinated, or maybe you're seeking medical or religious exemption, and you need to know more information about what's in the vaccine. No matter your vaccination status or preference, we believe it's important to know what's in the vaccine and the politics around it. So without further ado, welcome to the COVID lies. Welcome back everybody to another Beyond Labels podcast with Yours truly, Joel Salatin, and my vibrant uh, <laughs> sleuthing co-author, Dr. Sina McCullough. And uh, we, we finished up the last uh, time talking about corruption, lies, uh, 
fetal tissue and ingredients, really uh, uh, pretty deadly ingredients in many of these uh, COVID vaccines. And so uh, today, we, in this podcast, we want to drill down a little bit on more of the side effects and more of the corruption within COVID. I, I know if you're like me, you've probably, you just want to, you just want to turn this dial off and go into a fetal position somewhere, you know, in a, uh, in a, in a hovel up in the woods somewhere and be done with this whole thing. But, um, you know, we, Cena and I are really believers in informed consent and, and that's a personal responsibility too. Um, and we can't just, you know, la, 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 I don't want to hear it, and, and it'll all go away. It, it's not going away. In fact, in many ways, it's getting worse. I think we all uh, uh, sense that. And so if we're going to uh, be responsible for our own bodies and in turn be a help for our family, for friends, um, you know, we, we unfortunately need to put some attention on this so that we know what's going on, you know, in, in our, uh, in, in our, in our COVID battles. So, um, Sienna, let's, uh, we, we kind of finished last time with the, with the whole time factor and the rush job and the emergency authorization. And, uh, you gave the amazing statistics, statistics of CDC confirmed deaths and, uh, side effects from this vaccine. It, 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 it uh, it is so far ahead of the cumulative total of all other vaccines uh, ever used, even the even from the vaccine cocktail, that it's um, it's not only unprecedented; it's 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 exponentially beyond anything we've ever seen before. So that kind of historically automatic stop measures. Uh, we've just run past automatic stop measures, you know, X number of deaths. We stop this. No, no, we just keep running and go. So, um, so let, let's go on with this, uh, with this thread and um, the, the floor is yours. Great. Yeah. So I want to get into short-term side effects, long-term side effects and more of the corruption, including the illegal actions of the CDC. Um <laughs> Before I jump into that, I do want to piggyback on what you said. So in the last episode, I mentioned that as of October 1st, there have been 16,310 deaths reported in the VAERS system from um, COVID injections and CDC confirmed deaths. And again, these are underreported. Whistleblowers have come out and said, multiply that number times five. And that's how underreported this is. Um, To give you an example, a comparison of how egregious this is, that it's crimes against humanity, in my opinion, is that Johnson & Johnson, right, one of the makers of one of the COVID vaccines, in 1982, I don't know if you remember this, Joel, seven people died from Tylenol, right? It was Uh, adulterated. Yes, I do remember that, yes. It was Mm -hmm. adulterated, and seven people died, and do you remember how Johnson & Johnson responded? No, I don't. They pulled the product from the market. I pulled the product from. Well, I know, I know. Shortly after that, we got the tamp a lot more tamper-proof. Um, I know one response was uh, 
was probably a whole lot of engineers in a room trying to figure out how to create tamper-proof caps. And, and th that's when all those little, um, you know, uh, plastic tops uh, right. came on un under the cap. Mm -hmm. uh, that's when all that kind of stuff started coming in. That's right. And people's, people thought back then, oh, this is the death of Johnson & Johnson, right? They're, they're not going to be able to come back from this, right? Because people died. And that was only seven people. And they pulled the products from the market. Johnson & Johnson bounced back, like rallied back. And um, one reason they did that is because they pulled all the products from the market. They gave you know refunds. And they bounced back with this, oh, now we have this tamper-proof lid um and now they're doing exceptionally well okay so that was seven people dying now we have over sixteen thousand people died from this so there's something else going on here as to why this is not being stopped and we're going to get into that in a moment okay so short-term side effects uh, one of the short-term side effects is actually um pericarditis and myocarditis. Well, they, they consider this a short-term, meaning it, it happened more acutely. Okay, that's what I mean by short-term. These are acute effects that are happening from the COVID injections. And actually, if you go, um, remember I, I said in the last episode that we had those fact sheets um, from the government on each of the vaccines. In those fact sheets, they have things reported like, these are the things that have been reported from this vaccination so far. And a lot of them are like difficulty breathing, swollen lymph nodes, swelling in your face, your, th your throat, a fast heartbeat, dizziness, weakness, a bad rash. Um, and then they do actually list blood clots that have happened. And this is in the fact sheet, right? That they want all patients and caregivers to read. They also list myocarditis and um, pericarditis as occurring in some people who've received the vaccine. This, this sheet I'm looking at is specifically talking about Moderna, but it's also in the CDC's um, patient counseling sheet, which I'll post that too. This is, um, they're saying associated with Pfizer and Moderna, uh, we're seeing the myocarditis and pericarditis. And in fact, the numbers in younger males are so high, the numbers of myocarditis and pericarditis are so high that Sweden has actually suspended the Moderna shot indefinitely for anyone under 31 years old. Um, they've been developing these, this, it's a crippling heart condition. So the myocarditis is inflammation of the heart muscle. Pericarditis is inflammation of the sac around the heart. All right. And these conditions can um, can last a lifetime in, in certain individuals. It's such a big thing. It's, it's coming out in such high, high numbers, right? This is um, affecting younger males in such high numbers. Then not only did Sweden suspend the Moderna uh, vaccine, but um, Finland, Denmark, and Iceland are taking similar steps. Um, and, and Norway itself is encouraging men under 30 not to get the Moderna vaccine, but they're not, they haven't mandated it. They're just encouraging people not to do it. Um, but anyways, this is all listed um, already. They knew this before they rolled the vaccine out. This is all listed there. Um, thrombosis and thrombocytopenia is also listed as occurring. Um, they're saying blood clots have occurred 
involving blood vessels in the brain, the abdomen and legs, along with um, low levels of platelets have occurred, usually occurs around one to two weeks following vaccination. Guillain-Barre syndrome has also been reported within 42 days following vaccination, large enough numbers that it's in this um, adverse events packet that's published on the CDC's website. <clears throat> and that is um, Guillain-Barre syndrome is um, difficulty walking, difficulty with facial movement, including speaking, chewing, and swallowing, double vision, inability to move your eyes, difficulty with bladder control or bowel function, weakness or tingling sensations in the arms and the legs, and it can spread to other parts of the body. So we're not talking about minor adverse reactions. We're talking about serious life-threatening reactions, life potentially life-debilitating reactions that have occurred. Cer certainly, cer yeah, cer certainly life-altering. Mm -hmm. uh, certainly life-altering to where you know one one day you're one day you're this, and for the rest of your life you're this. That, that That's right. And the blood clot. Well, what happens if you have blood clot in the brain? Right. Right. Yeah. I, I uh, mean, hello. So yeah, th this these are severe symptoms, and this was known before it was rolled out, um, and the numbers are just increasing here. Now, that's acute side of acute reactions. Okay, and the list goes on. You can look in the bear system. There is a laundry list of acute reactions that have occurred. Miscarriage, for instance. You know, breakthrough bleeding in. Um, in men people in menopause, right? Um, enlarged testes, uh, erectile dysfunction, like you name it, it's, it's on there. So you can go to the VAERS database and find the laundry list of acute reactions to this, uh, to the vaccines. Now in terms of long-term effects, okay, what are the long-term ramifications? And this is where, where I go to you know, even with the food supply, you and I've talked about this a lot. It's hard to get people to grasp long-term effects because I think our biology is wired for gratification in the immediate, you know, and this is probably an evolutionary adaptation. So when I tell, when I, I'm giving talks and I'm explaining to people that I almost died from the food supply, there's this disconnect because they're like, well, I eat the standard American diet. Like I eat Fruit Loops and I don't, you don't see people keeling over in the street from eating this standard American diet, right? So it's a, it's a slow poisoning of the body. All right. And it, it's a, it's in a testimony to how resilient the body is that it can handle all these insults over a, a long period of time until you hit your own individual mm -hmm. tipping point, right? Mm -hmm. And then sickness ensues. Right. So it's a same, I take the same perspective with the vaccines. You're going to see some acute reactions. It could be from the mRNA technology itself. It could be from some of the ingredients that we discussed in the last podcast. Um, it, it could be from contaminants, which we also discussed in the last podcast. So those are all going to elicit acute responses. In terms of what are the long-term consequences or you know, potential effects, here's the thing. We do not know. There are people will say, the quote-unquote experts will say, oh, well, the mRNA 
that's you know injected into you in the Pfizer and Moderna vaccine and the mRNA in the Janssen vaccine that's produced, you know, it, 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 it's DNA, but it, it makes your own cellular machinery produce the RNA from it. So this messenger RNA from these three vaccines, it degrades quickly, right? So it's not gonna be in your body for, for your lifetime. It's gonna degrade very quickly. But if you ask those same experts, okay, show me the studies. Show me the studies where you have demonstrated that this messenger RNA does degrade quickly in the body. You know what they're gonna tell you? Probably they don't have, they haven't had time to have those studies. And they don't have the studies. There's no studies done to determine how long does that mRNA remain in the body? No studies to determine that. They're never done to track what happens to that messenger RNA. Mm -hmm. it, it is possible that it gets degraded quickly. It's also possible that it does not get de degraded quickly. It's also possible that um, it gets integrated into the DNA. And I know this is controversial. We can have a whole show on this if you want, but we do have reverse transcriptase in our body. You know, that's a natural, uh, naturally occurring mechanism in the body. And we do have the ability to uh, integrate these genetic um, snip, uh, snippets into our own genome. We know we have the machinery to convert it into the DNA. And we know actually where this type of spike protein mRNA would, would be um, added into the human genome. So we know that it is possible. They don't want you to believe that it happens, but we know it is possible. So my point is, this has not been studied. No one actually knows what happens to the messenger RNA. Um, it's gonna be a devastating revelation if we, if we do the studies and we learn that it is gonna be active for even for a year in your body because it's causing you to produce the spike protein, right? So that's the whole point of this, that messenger RNA codes for the spike protein. So let me be very specific. In the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, it, the, the messenger RNA is injected directly. That messenger RNA encodes for the spike protein. In the Johnson & Johnson, the Janssen vaccine, it's the DNA that's injected into the body and your body converts that DNA into the RNA and the messenger RNA that encodes for the spike protein. The ultimate outcome for all three of those vaccines is the production of spike protein in the body, okay? So that spike protein has been shown to, um, it can bind to your ACE2 receptors. These receptors we know are present on the surface of sperm, ovary, and the uterine lining. So they can cause dysfunction in those organs. Hence there is, um, this might be a mechanism for which it's causing miscarriage and um, breakthrough bleeding. And there, this is possibly the mechanism that leads it to concern of fertility. And in fact, in the Moderna study, um, before the emergency use authorization was granted, Moderna had done some studies on animals, small numbers here. You know, some of the studies only had eight animals, which is pretty insignificant, right? But in those studies, there was already a concern for reduced fertility in those animals. It's probably um, at least in part from this binding of the spike protein to the ACE2 receptors. We also know that this spike protein binds to other types of tissues in the body. It can damage the brain. 
the heart, the lungs. It could damage the endothelium, which is possibly why we're seeing the blood clots forming. Okay. So that was the whole point of the vaccines was to get spike protein produced in the body so that the body would then um, recognize the spike protein and, and create antibodies and memory cells to the spike protein. So then if you did come it did become infected with COVID, it would already have that memory to fight it off, right? But I'm just telling you, this is a consequence that we already know that we're seeing now in the short term, and we're going to see in the long term, possibly with fertility issues because it combined to the ACE2 receptor. There was also never any genotoxicity studies done. There were no um, teratogenicity studies, which means we don't even know if pregnant people should take it. As I said, there was a concerning fertility study done um, in the Moderna trials where animals decreased their fertility. And in the Pfizer trials, there was a concerning biodistribution study where it demonstrated that the spike protein had hyperconcentration in the ovaries. So this is what we know, right? This is the information that we have been allowed to see and that we can, you can piece together by looking through the scientific literature. So that's what we know about immediate, um, immediate effects and, and the long-term studies, how they have not been done, but what we think is probably gonna happen and is happening currently um, because of the spike protein binding in part to the ACE2 receptors, along with whatever else it's doing in there that we, don't, we just don't even know yet. Oh, before I go into the corruption, I do wanna add one thing. People who are promoting this, including the media, you know, promoting getting the vaccine, um, including people in the media, will say, oh, well, you know, you're saying that this is short term, but we haven't had long enough time to study this, that, but this, that, this technology has actually been studied for decades, right? Well, um, there's, there's actually lies in that too, because it's never been studied in humans. And as I mentioned, um, some of these studies involve like eight subjects, you know, a small number of subjects. Um, and it's, it's different when you apply it to a human, of course, right? We have different biology. So this is going to be a different, uh, we're going to see different outcomes when, when you take something from an animal study to a human study. And as I said, we already saw that this is affecting um, animals, uh, had affected animals, and now it's affecting humans. So um, that's not a good argument to say, oh, well, we've studied this for a long time. And in fact, in, in the trials that they had done on this technology over the years, it's never successfully worked, never. But yet they're rolling it out to us. So um, if you don't have any questions on that, Joel, I'm going to go on to the next thing, talk, start talking about the CDC corruption. Yeah, uh, before you jump there, I do have one that's kind of been... Uh, uh gnawing at me here almost since, since we started this with the uh, with the other podcast and that is <clears throat> has there ever been a well I mean I'm thinking of uh, like when I was in elementary school and lined up with all the other little second graders to get my little whatever it was a smallpox or something like that um, uh, and you know uh, has there ever been anything like this, where, I mean, were, 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 pe were people, um, 
sounding warning signals back at that time about that? I mean, you get the impression that the historical record is that, well, we've done this in the, we've done this in the past and there might've been henny pennies, but you know, the sky didn't fall and all is well. And 40 years later, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're still uh, doing fine. You know, it, it's this kind of overall, um, you know, uh, come on, uh, is this really a henny penny thing? And so, uh, you know, what's the, what's, what's the closest, I don't know what, um, similar thing, precedent, whatever to, to this, to this rollout and, and to the technology? Well, one reason why many of us are so apprehensive about this vaccine in particular is because mRNA technology is new, right? This is the first time it's been in one of these vaccines that's been mass distributed and now mandated. So the technology is too new. And as I said, um, it's not been successful, uh, it, you know, and um, what I find interesting is that if you look at some of the some of the polls, you, you're wondering who are the people that are not getting vaccinated? Okay, and there's this poll that I saw. Now it's now it's become a political issue, right? Now that Biden came forward and has mandated, now you see a lot of um, what I would call as patriots coming forward and saying, "No, absolutely not! Like over my dead body, you'll do this to me." Um, because we're not only standing for our own medical freedom, we're standing for um, the foundation of America and not letting that basic right of your own body sovereignty to fall. Um, but before it became so political, before he mandated it, when you looked at the polls of who was doing, who, who was vaccine hesitant, as they call, call it, it was um, in large part two groups of people it was um, blacks and um, people with advanced degrees. So we're talking like PhDs and things like that, right? Well, why these two groups, okay? One is I can speak for the ones with the higher education. So when you look at the data and you look at these studies, you look at this type of technology and you've been in this, um, you, you've been around these people, right? You, you, you're technically considered one of these experts and your friends are quote unquote these experts and you know how the science works and you know how little we actually know about mm. the human body and how little we actually know about science and how many mistakes we've made in science and the fallibility. And you know how these, um, how these vaccines are created and not adequately tested and not properly um, regulated, you quickly come to the conclusion that I'm not trusting that uh, new technology in my body, right? Because you realize how fallible we all are. And that's one of my biggest revelations as a scientist is that, you know, you graduate, um, you graduate with your PhD and you're like, score i'm done with school like i spent 10 years in college i'm all done don't have to learn anymore now i can go off and make money you know and what's interesting is that 
I now look back and I'm like, I knew nothing. Like, <laughs> I right. and I knew, I knew a lot of what they wanted me to know, which now I would call like brainwashing, you know? Um, so, so now, um, now I look at it and I just say, there's no humility in the field, right? That's one of the big things for a scientist looking at this. There's no humility. There's, you know, this is the way it is and, and this is right. And if you argue with us, you're anti-science. And I, how can I be anti-science? I'm a scientist, you know? But, um, but so that's, that is one, the big reason why I think the people in that poll with the higher education are saying, no, I'm not gonna do this. In terms of blacks, this goes to your question. They, they remember their history. They remember Tuskegee. Right. Yes. Uh huh. Right. And so, why would they want to be experimented on again? They already have a mistrust of the government and um, what they will do um, to blacks, and now seemingly to you know the the, the rest of us. Um, it's alarming. It's it's disgusting what they did to those black men in in Tuskegee. Um, so they remember that. They remember their history. Um, in terms of people, like you're saying, people being like raising concern, and then we find out years later, it was no big deal. Um, I would say that in the vaccine movement itself, people have raised concerns, um, you know, at least, at least uh, since the fifties and sixties, right? People have been raising concerns about the vaccines and the same thing is happening with um, the government and the media and the universities all working in lockstep to try to cover the truth. So we could go into a whole episode about this, you know, another time if you want with the various vaccines. Yeah, well, I, I, think, that's a, I think that's a great segue then into this next <clears throat> corruption phase that you want to get into with, um, with, with this, because corruption, uh, uh, corruption is, is foundational to trust. And, and um, uh, you know, corruption can come in many forms, but the, but the common outcome of corruption is that you become, you become jaundiced. You become jaundiced to the, um, to the, to the honest intent. You become jaundiced even to the honest, to the in, honest intent, and I tend to think that that all, that most people are not evil intended, but but um, um, corruption makes you even question intent, which is which is deeper. It's it's a deeper cultural thing than questioning outcome or you know we, we disagree on what we want to do uh we just disagree on 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 how to get there you know the libertarian versus the social the the, the social uh culture net right yep. uh you know and and so so corruption um is is way deeper you know uh, uh emotionally and philosophically than than uh, just just well we just disagree on methodology so uh, with that, go ahead with the, yeah, with the corruption. Okay. Yeah. And I completely agree. And this is why, like I said, in the last episode, I've been having a hard time sleeping and I can't wait to move off this topic uh, because it's the corruption is uh, very upsetting as an American citizen. 
Um, okay, so I'm going to start with the CDC corruption, and then I'm going to move into um, the, the pharmaceutical if we have time, okay? So what I want to share is that the CDC has violated three federal laws, okay? So they're acting illegally. This was brought forth by Dr. Henry Eel, uh, Ely, Henry Ely, and um, it's actually being uh, two Oregon senators have actually filed a grand jury petition alleging that CDC and FDA violated federal law. And they did this, um, they committed willful misconduct. And basically what they did was they inflated COVID death numbers and they deflated deaths from the COVID vaccine uh, vaccines. So in other words, CDC and FDA have acted illegally. Okay, this is this is a big deal. So the three things they've done, I won't I won't spell all these out. I'll set I'll put a link in the product in the uh, description box so you can read through this if you want. But basically, they uh, the three laws that they violated were an Administrative Procedures Act, Paperwork Re Reduction Act, and Information Equality Act. In essence, they violated um, in terms of the number of cases, the number of hospitalizations, and the death certificate accounting. And so what I want to just touch on is the death certificates, because this was brought to into the news, right, about are they, are they changing death certificates and what's happening there. So on March 24th, 2020, the CDC illegally changed death certificate reporting, but only for COVID-19. Okay, change the death certificate reporting for COVID-19. This is in a document titled COVID alert number two. Uh, basically what they said was, the CDC said that 95% of all death certificates had on average four comorbidity, comorbidities. Okay, so 95% of all death certificates had an average of four comorbidities. Okay, and th this was between, for instance, the period of um, February 21st to July 9th. So we're looking at a time period as an example from February 21st to July 9th, 2021. The CDC said that the number of deaths due to COVID were 494,807. Okay, now if they had used the same type of um, death certificate reporting that they had used for the previous 17 years, right? So if they, if they had stayed with the guidelines that they had already been using for 17 years, instead of 494,807 deaths from COVID, there actually would have only been 30,000 deaths from COVID. So we go from almost 495,000 deaths all the way down to 30,000 deaths from COVID. That, that huge inflation came from just the way that they changed, illegally changed the way that the death certificate reporting um, occurred. So the, the way that they changed it was you were, you were to de-emphasize all the comorbidities so you could say the cause of death was from COVID. Now, um, I want to read this to you because this isn't 
this isn't just a like a trivial thing like one guy found this out and is accusing them of this okay this um has been vetted his information dr henry ely it's actually been vetted through nine attorneys and a judge and a stringent peer review before it was allowed to be released publicly they all found it credible it's now being used um across um, across the country in several active court cases, including the one that I just mentioned, um, where the two Oregon senators filed the grand and jury petition, a uh, grand jury petition. Now, I wanna give you a quote from one of the Oregon senators, just to tell you, just to share, they've read the entire document, okay? So here's what they said, their opinion. Um, this is Kim Thatcher from Oregon State she's one of the senators. She says, federal agencies like the CDC have committed atrocities in the name of, quote, public health, resulting in extensive collateral damage that transforms societies in ways that, that we are still grappling to understand. The CDC's unlawful and questionable changes to death certificates related to COVID, the use of false positive PCR tests, and their callous indifference to individual rights, or science for that matter, matter led to fraudulent data that was used to justify sweeping policy changes, not only in Oregon, but across the country. And um, the other senator from Oregon, Dennis, um, I think it's Linthicum. This is what he said after reading all these documents, quote, our health and the health of our children is our responsibility, not the government's. Yet the CDC, through pure data manipulation, has promulgated government overreach through incredulous policies in unimaginable ways through this wrongful sleight of hand, creating a falsified reality that is no place in a free society. Mm. I think that's wow. remarkable. That's, yeah. and so the corruption is deep, right? I mean, mm. that this is what it's based on is all these mandates, you know, mask mandates and vaccine mandates and all of this, it's based largely on the death toll, right? And now we're being shown the data that they are lying about the death toll. They have lied to the American public, okay? They've inflated the number of deaths while, while deflating the number of injuries from their vaccine. So- in spite, I found this fascinating. So knowing that, Joel, knowing that they're inflating the deaths, okay, there's this article that was re released in the European Journal of Epidemiology. This was data collected from August of this year, uh, 2021. The title of, it, of this article is Increases in COVID-19 are unrelated to levels of vaccination across 68 countries and 2,947 counties in the United States. They're basically saying that higher vaccination rates do not lead to lower COVID rates. But let me read it to you from the study, okay? They said, this is in their findings, countries with higher percentage of population fully vaccinated have higher COVID-19 cases per 1 million people. Notably, Israel, with over 60% of their population fully vaccinated, had the highest COVID-19 cases per 1 million people in the last seven days. They go on to say about Iceland and Portugal, both those countries have over 75% of their population fully vaccinated. 
and they have more COVID-19 cases per 1 million people than countries like Vietnam and South America that have only about 10% of their population fully vaccinated. In the United States, they go on to say this, the top five counties in the United States that have the highest percentage of population of fully vaccinated people have been identified by the CDC or, or four of those five counties, four of those five counties have been identified by the CDC as having a high transmission rate. In contrast, there's 57 counties that have been classified by the CDC as low transmission counties and 26% of those have populations that are below 20% vaccinated. So some of the, so four out of the five yeah, most so. high transmissible counties are, they're almost fully vaccinated. And 26% um, of the ones, of the counties that have low transmission weight rates, they're less than 20% of them are actually vaccinated. You know, you know, Cena, Cena, you could, <laughs> Uh, uh, I can't, I can't uh, help but make the observation that if you were actually looking for um, for, co for for corollary data, you could probably get the that identical data uh, uh, data correspondence if you if you asked what counties have the highest viewer rate of CNN. And MSNBC and mainstream media versus counties that have the the lowest rate of mainstream media watchers. Uh, dare I say that the county the counties that have the highest rate of viewership of Fox News probably have the, the lowest transmission rate, and the ones that have the highest viewership of CNN and MSNBC have the have the highest. I mean, you know, it, it probably would correlate um, that that. Uh, that it would probably correlate so precisely that that you could make a case for causality, you know, if you were doing sloppy sloppy uh, uh, science. Oh yeah, I agree. <laughs> and like we said, because it's it's turned political, you know, it's turned yeah. political. And in some ways, I mean, it's a shame that things like this with our health turn political. But I tell you, and this is just an aside because I got I have more uh, lies to share. But I tell you, as soon as this turned political my husband and I rejoiced because that's what we needed. Instead of us being in the fringe, right? A small group of us that are mm -hmm. finding the truth and are standing up for our right. We needed one of the political parties to grab hold of this and to use it as a political platform so that we had the numbers, right? right. They, if you're only like 10% of the people, they can push you off to the fringe mandate all they want you know, but if you're, like I said, we're a third, we are a third of the population at this point who's saying no. And that's thanks to Biden making it political. So in a way it's good. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, look, I, I, I've always said, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm not taking the vaccine because I'm doing what the Democrats said. Democrats said all year, anything Trump rolled out. No, you can't trust anything Trump rolled out. Well, Trump rolled all this out. So so uh, I'm just following the, the Democrats and I, I don't trust the vaccines at all because that's what the, that's what the Democrats said, said to do. Well, and actually Biden said he didn't trust the vaccine either. Biden right, also said right. he would never mandate it, right? Yes. Nancy Pelosi yes. said they would never mandate it. Yes, that's and correct. That's actually correct. the White House, um, I mean, at that time, um, Biden, his advisor said they didn't have the power to mandate it, 
Right. Right. And and right. now look, now it is. Right. And now um and there's this viral there's this video going around that's showing all these different leaders um and all these different higher ups in pharmaceutical companies admitting that the vaccine's not working. Right. They're admitting that you can still get the infection and that you can still transmit it to others. Um, so they're admitting it now openly, what we've known. Um, yet yeah, well, I, 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 I wish, you know, they uh, um, you know how uh, in uh, in traffic fatalities, if there's a fatality, they always say he was wearing his seatbelt or not wearing a seatbelt, you know, that. Um, and I wish now, now that in all the uh, alleged uh, covid deaths um they would they would put in uh, you know that he uh, he was or was not vaccinated yeah. and I, th- I and i think that what we would see is the lion's share of the people dying from covid have been vaccinated um not 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 the uh, not the other way around yeah so this is more corruption here like you can't trust okay. any of the numbers right like if you google in there if you type into google like are are vaccinated or unvaccinated dying from deaths? Like who's dying from deaths more? All these articles pop up like, oh, unvaccinated 11 times more likely to die and whatever. So that's not true. So um, a lot of this is cherry picking of the data, right? And a lot of this, as you know, depends on so many variables too. You know, which country are you looking at? Which county are you looking at? How did they measure it? We already Mm -hmm. saw, I told you that um, they're in that, um, um, in the CDC, FDA corruption, the, the, the grand jury petition that they're filing, they filed, um, they've already used, um, they've changed it so you can have false positive tests when you want them, right? They changed the number of cycle, um, yes. the number of cycles it needs to be replicated, right? right. There's a different cycle a number per unvaccinated, per vaccinated, okay? But CDC is also, um, at least recently, they may have changed it by now, but as of recently, they've, they're not tracking all breakthrough infections. Okay. So if someone is in their opinion, fully vaccinated, they're not tracking all those breakthrough infections. They're only actually tracking the hospitalizations for the people who have been fully vaccinated, not actually positive, all the positive testing, all the, so you can't actually make the claim that the vaccinations are decreasing your risk of getting the infection. Like they're not tracking all of it. See, they're just, they're just changing the numbers, right? They're changing the way that they're collecting data. They're changing what, how they handle that data um, to change the outputs. So this is just another layer of corruption that you literally have to go down the rabbit hole like I've been doing in order to figure this out and, and to see how they're manipulating the data, but there's no way around it. The more you go down this rabbit hole and you see what they're doing, they are manipulating this data. They're trying to get that fear narrative to, to continue, you know, in the media so that we all uh, go and get vaccinated, you know? So I want to, unless you had something to add, I wanted no. to, okay. No, go, go, go on with your corruption. We're, um, yeah, we're, we're pushing, uh, pushing the time here. So, okay. So let me just uh, um, pro- share two quick things then. Yeah. I'll try to be quick. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So so this is, so I already explained some of the CDC and the FDA corruption. Um, it, is, it is interesting to note that the CDC holds about 58 vaccine patents, including a patent on the Moderna vi- uh, vaccine. I think this is personally a conflict of interest. Um, also, I'm sure you've heard this, that um, early treatment 
was suppressed, like with, um, you know, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, right? And that, that they were actually threatening medical doctors. They're threatening to take their license away if they actually prescribe some of these early treatment measures. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Well, I found this um, statement from the Office of the Attorney General of um, Nebraska. Okay, so the Nebraska Attorney General, he um, looked into this matter and this is what he's found. There's 45 peer reviewed studies that collectively said that um, there's a 70% improvement with ivermectin given um, during early treatment. There's even a 43% improvement in um, COVID outcome when it's been given in late treatment, 86% 86, 86 improvement when it's given as a prophylactic. So he looked into this issue and basically he issued a legal opinion saying that in Nebraska, they will not seek disciplinary action against medical doctors who prescribe ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine as off-label medications to treat or prevent COVID-19. So this is some good news, right? This attorney general yeah. has done his homework. He's seen what the CDC, FDA are doing here, and they're killing people. They're allowing people to die by preventing them access to this early treatment. The Nebraska attorney general has stood up and he has said no. And this is what he said um, in, his, in his statement. After receiving your question and conducting our investigation, we have found significant controversy and suspect information about potential COVID-19 treatments. A striking example features one of the world's most prestigious medical journals, The Lancet. In the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic, The Lancet published a paper denouncing hydroxychloroquine as dangerous. Yet the reported statistics were so flawed that journalists and outside researchers immediately began raising concerns. Then after one of the authors refused to provide the analyzed data, the paper was retracted, but not before many countries stopped using hydroxychloroquine and trials were canceled or interrupted. The Lancet's own editor-in-chief admitted that the paper was a quote, fabrication, quote, a monumental fraud and a quote, shocking example of research misconduct in the middle of a global health emergency. Remarkable, right? I mean, just fraud right there, yeah, the science. Yeah. So this, when they're like, oh, you hear them, the people pushing the vaccine, like we're following the science. Like McAuliffe's been um, campaigning on that platform. Like I follow the science, Yunkin isn't, yeah, yeah. you know, he's endangering yeah. you. Well, if you're following the science, you're following corruption at this point, mm -hmm. you know, because that's mm -hmm. the science that we have out there that's available to us, not only coming from the CDC and the FDA, but even what they're saying, these quote unquote prestigious medical journals like The Lancet, the data is corrupt. And so trying to, and this goes back to the whole purpose of doing this podcast, informed consent. How are we gonna actually get informed consent when there's corruption and lies that's all around us? And I wanna, I wanna um, conclude this and then you can wrap up if you want. I wanna conclude this with um, two quick things. In terms of, um, I didn't go into this in great detail, I just wanna highlight it. In terms of the corruption in the pharmaceutical, these vaccine industries, not only did they lie to us about the vaccines not being connected with aborted fetal cells, they have, um, each of these companies have been accused of crimes. So for instance, Johnson & Johnson um, was accused of, and convicted of bribery and kickbacks 
they actually targeted nursing home pharmacies. They targeted the elderly with dementia. Um, that's just one of the cases. Pfizer, Pfizer was involved in the largest healthcare fraud settlement in history. They had to pay $2.3 billion for fraudulent marketing. They pleaded guilty to, um, this is another case, they pleaded guilty to a federal criminal charge um, relating to marketing four drugs with the quote, intent to defraud or mislead. Um, they've actually, they've also violated the Food, Drug and Cosmetics Act. Um, according to the Department of Justice, they said that Pfizer um, sold drugs, marketed drugs, quote, even when scientific studies had shown it was not effective. The experts who actually reviewed the documents in this case concluded that the company manipulated the studies to convince the physicians that the drug was in fact effective. So we already know that these companies are capable of bribery, bribery fraud, including um, data manipulation. Okay. And now we have all this corruption, all this lying, all this deception from all these sides. And now we have a federal government that has doubled down. Um, I don't know if I told you this, but in Biden's reconciliation bill, that is where the enforcement arm is contained. The enforcement arm for the OSHA regulation that's yet to come out is in his reconciliation package. So basically, in the reconciliation package, it lays out the fines for the employers who defy the vaccine mandate. They can be as high as $70,000 um, or up to $700,000 for, quote, willful repeated violations. So that, I mean, $70,000 and up to $700,000, that's going to quickly bankrupt companies, right? I mean, not like Amazon and stuff. But small family-run companies, you know, these smaller companies, that's quickly going to bankrupt them. If you, you know, even if you have like 101 employees, how, how much damage is, is $70,000 for, um, for each occurrence right. going to do to you, right? Right. right. Well, mean, so yeah. And, and it, all, it all begs the question on, on what is safe, you know, um, uh, safe... <laughs> where you can post jobs for people who are not vaccinated. So these are job postings of, of actual websites where you can go if you've been fired, you know, by from your because of the mandates or you just don't want to support a company that's promoting the mandates, you can go onto these websites and they post jobs there for unvaccinated people. Okay, I think that is a great free that's market fantastic. solution. Yeah, yeah, I love that. The other is you know, um, in one of our medical liberty episodes, I told you that my husband and I are voting with our feet, right? Not only with, with the job, um, but with which state we're going to live in. And um, the, the, by the time this podcast comes out, we would have already had the election results here. So that will be interesting to circle back around. But my point is, it has become a vote with your feet issue at this point. You see people moving out of the mandate states into what I'm going to call the more free states, right? The ones that aren't mandating this. Basically, it's going from the Democratic states to the Republican states because it has become a political issue. Well, you see these um, like police officers, for instance, that are like fired now because of not complying with the mandate. Well, I don't know if you saw this, but Florida and Alaska, yes. right? Yes. 
They've stepped yeah. forward. It's like a political asylum. They're like, here, come. Florida's giving them like, I think $5,000 to move to their mm-hmm. state and work for right. them. So we yeah. are seeing people standing up. We're seeing um, states standing up and we're seeing individuals. We're seeing you know the nurses, the firefighters, the police officers, the pilots, the flight attendants, yeah. you know, the military, they're pushing back and yeah. it's working. So that gives me a lot of hope. Yeah. It's a, it's a new, it's a new secession movement. Um, and, and I, I know that's a loaded, a loaded, powerful word, but, um, uh, you know, it, many, many of us out here. Well, I mean, the word that I've heard a lot is I want to just disentangle, disentangle from the system. And if that, that's pretty close to secession, you know, I just want to secede from the madness and, and form enclaves, havens, havens of uh, of 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 honesty and integrity, and uh, that's what we're seeing. So, yeah, it is a bifurcating time. What a what a uh, an amazing topic. Uh, it, you know, it, it is it is at, at one time very um, depressing and frustrating. You know, it's the kind of stuff you'd expect in some you know banana republic, some you know just just crony tribal uh, outfit, and and it's here now. And, um, and and probably coincides with our overall cultural uh, um, uh, cultural decline in in you know the Judeo-Christian ethic and honesty and the and the things that you know that created the country. With all of our warts and flaws, we certainly aren't aren't a perfect country. But you know, rule rule of law and um, and the you know the Declaration of Independence are fantastic documents for you know for for governorship they they've steered us to an amazing an amazing country and many of us um uh don't want to lose it and these kinds of things uh indicate a a a rot they indicate a deep rot deep within the bowels of our governance and um one of the reasons that cena and i are presenting this information as as frustrating as it is is uh to 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 be informed because you know thomas jefferson said knowledge is power Mm -hmm. and when you're armed with the truth and you're armed with knowledge you feel empowered then to stand to speak and to serve and ultimately we are wanting to serve each other in the best way possible so thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next time